stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jill Whalen, author of Victim of Thought, Seeing Through the Illusion of Anxiety. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you. It's great to be here. It really is great to have you on the show. And people may wonder, what has that got to do with innovation and invention and different thinking? And for me, it has everything to do with it because when I read the book, you talk about this, the paradigm shift that's needed to get people to realize that you are not your thoughts and that if you're deliberate about how to interpret events rather than just react to them, it can actually change your entire existence like it did for you. Before we talk about some of the problems and solutions you identify in the book, it'd be great to hear your early story because that gives context on, I suppose, your journey, where you came from and where you are now. Well, let's see. So my story started when I was pretty young, you know, from as far back as I remember, I was just such a shy kid. I was fine with my family and my mom and my sister and brother and stuff. But, you know, if I would see people out in public or or whatever, I'd hide behind my mother. And, you know, so I I have this memory of me just always being kind of scared of people in a way. Like I kind of almost picture them in my head as these like monsters up in my face and stuff. And, you know, those were some of my earliest memories of, of, I guess, what I'd consider anxiety now. I, I, I just thought I was just shy um, and an introvert. And so, you know, I, when I would go to school, I, I'd, I'd be okay for the most part. But, um, you know, once I got to know people, but once when, when you know, if it'd be new kids in the class, the, the big time, I guess, let me talk about this is I think it was sixth or seventh grade when I, um, for some reason in the middle of the year or at some point during the year, like I got called down to the office, which of course was scary to begin with because I was usually pretty good. I didn't get in trouble and stuff, but they, they gave me a new schedule for new classes and another girl got the same new schedule as well. And I was like, Oh boy, you know, that alone scared the crap out of me because now I had all these new classes, new teachers. It happened to be with all these new kids previously for the the grades had gone on with the same kids you know up through this sixth grade and suddenly they were throwing me into this with all these new people almost as if I had just moved to a new place or something and so I you know went to the classes the next day or had to find the class first of all which was scary because I, I I never felt I was very good at finding places I would get lost um, but then when I finally found it you know the teacher points me to the a seat and um you know I just looked around me and the terror of of these kids was so scary and it was really that point where I sort of gave up on school because I just was like how can they do this to me I blamed you know everything outside of me for how I was feeling you know wh- why me was was my mantra that year why would they do this to me and it just just blaming everything and and so you know my life went on from there and I wouldn't have characterized it as anxiety. I just, I just thought, you know, things happen to me, stuff, stuff happens to me, which as I see now, it, you know, happens to everybody. That's life. (laughs) Things, things happen to people. But, you know, later on I, I got married and what happened was I would always have like a new best friend and that, you know, like my husband became my new best friend and then my kids were my best friends. And I'd always have something that I focused on and that would make, 
seemed to make me feel better. And for me, it was usually solo things other than with a best friend. So like I, I got really into the internet early on. We got a computer in the house and we had to get a modem. This was back in the early 90s when you know most people weren't online. And so that became my focus for, for a long time. And I ended up becoming a pioneer in, in what's now known as the SEO industry, search engine optimization. You know, my sole focus would sometimes be beneficial because I would be so focused, so like addicted to one thing that I would get really good at it. But then I'd also be drinking too much or, you know, having a best friend who, you know, I'd be so clingy to them, they'd, they'd eventually be like, go away, you, you're bothering me kind of thing. So that, you know, that was kind of my, my life for the longest time. A couple of things resonated. The idea of you're an introvert and that you liked what Susan Cain calls in her book, Quiet, the kind of blinds down, shut the door type roles where you actually can just immerse yourself in your own world. You don't need other people to create or to do things. And then also that you had this constant thing of needing a project. And that was almost to keep your mind quiet because that really, you got that really crossed well in the book and that you would go down these rabbit holes, which actually led to success because you went on then to create a really successful career in SEO. And it looked great to tell our audience about that and how you managed that. That was the thing. Like, I didn't know what, you know, I was doing. In retrospect, I was just looking for ways to feel better, to not be so scared. And, you know, if I had a focus on something that I liked, you know, and I would always find this one thing that I liked, then I didn't feel so bad. You know, my head wouldn't be full of what I now know was just full of thoughts. But, you know, at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. I just was like, I like SEO. I like computers. I like the internet. And so I would just, focus on it. So, you know, my career grew because, you know, I loved SEO and computers and everything so much that I just completely immersed myself in it and learned everything and and just became the go-to person, let's say. I I happen to have been a good writer. And I think, you know, the internet was such a, a great medium for me. I wouldn't have even known I was a great writer, actually, until until the internet it was a way for me to express my voice that I never did before. Cause you know, as a, as a kid and as a shy person, I just was quiet all the time. I just listened to everybody else. And I always felt if I did speak, nobody really cared anyway. They were all interested in listening to themselves anyway. (laughs) Like nobody really, I could kind of see being someone who observed people that nobody really ever listened to anybody else anyway. So I kept quiet and to have a voice, on the internet in the early days, that was like so freeing to me. And it really helped ease whatever anxiety that I had that I, that again, I I did not, I wouldn't say I I knew I had anxiety. I I just thought that was life feeling afraid of everything. That's just life. This is one of the things why I thought it was so important to get you on the show and share your story, because that I feel is something that's going to happen more and more. So The idea of I can hide behind the internet as a way of hiding my feelings and you've dealt with your feelings and you've you've conquered your mind essentially or your thoughts, you've controlled them. But so many kids don't because they have so much access to computers, they're they're living through social media. And I thought this was a really important point to to talk about and, and the solutions that you've discovered for this. But people tend to live this kind of best foot forward 
life on social media, on Instagram, these great photos, putting on makeup before your morning selfie kind of world. And that's not really helping children of the future, so adults of the future, people of the future, because what they're doing is masking any insecurities they have through this. And then that's almost becoming their persona and then we're seeing a rise in stuff like obesity and and you've conquered uh, weight issues alcoholism substance abuse and suicide we're seeing things like this rise in the world and i think this is an important message as well because i'd love to talk about that because before we get on to you having kids and the stress and anxiety that brings and how you, you conquered them i'd love to talk about your conquering of alcohol for example well it wasn't conquering, and that's what's really interesting with what I ended up learning. There's no conquering involved. It just is getting insight. And really, what I saw that helped with alcohol and just any addiction in general, all my addictions, what I, what I saw was that life was one big addiction. It's people always, you know, people just having anxiety, like everybody has anxiety, as you sort of were alluding to. We may or may not know it. And we're just always trying to do things to feel better. And when I saw that clearly, like just from stuff I was learning and listening to, it just became so clear. I I had this insight in the shower one day. I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. And I, I saw all this stuff that I was just talking about, you know, all these addictions, like having a best friend and my, my kids and everything else and the computer and 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 SEO that I saw them all flash before my eyes. And I saw that I was seeking happiness from these things from outside myself. And yet I had already sort of learned at this point that that happiness I was seeking was inside of me. I created because what I had previously learned was that it's, it's our thoughts that create the way we feel. So it's not other people like other people, the kids in my class, speaking in public, things like that. None of that is what make is giving me the feeling of anxiety or fear or or even anger or any any feeling. All of our feelings are actually coming from our very own thoughts. Not it's all innocent. It's not like we're doing it on purpose to to make ourselves crazy. It's just that's just the way things work. Thoughts come into our head that they are sort of attached to a feeling. So if an anxious thought comes into our head, it gives us anxious feelings. It it triggers the chemicals that make us feel anxious. And we think it's the outside event that caused the feeling, but it's really just thought in the moment. There's a French movie called La Haine, and there's a phrase, an opening phrase in the movie is, l'important c'est pas la chute, c'est l'atterrissage. And what that means is, it's not the fall that's important, it's the landing. When I read your book, that jumped into my mind, and it was about how we react to things is so much more important than what the thing is, because there's always going to be things happening to us. There's always going to be things, but it's our reaction and our filter or our lens through which we see them that actually dictates it. And you did a, such a good job, Jill, of getting this across, because when you understand that, you give the great analogy of the river. and That's a river of thoughts. They're always happening, good and bad anyway, but it's our reaction to them that actually gives us these stressful feelings, like you as a child, the sick tummy feeling, the horrible sickness, the gut feeling that we get. It's our reaction to it. And it'd be great if you could share the river analogy that you give in the book. Sure. Basically, it's flow of everything that goes through our head is, is like a flowing river. So thoughts are 
coming and going through our heads all day long. They're coming and going. We don't even notice most of them. We don't latch on to them. They just keep flowing through like like a river. And um, what what I talked about as a metaphor was there's there might be like a situation in your life. Say you have to do a presentation for 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 your boss or something like that, and you're not real happy with having to do presentations or you're scared of public speaking. So that becomes like this situation that you've, that that's coming up. And, and I, the metaphor is like, that's a a situational rock in the middle of this river. And the thoughts are sticks that are just flowing along the river as sticks might in a river. they, They normally flow along perfectly fine. Those are all different thoughts. And then they may hit upon a certain situational rock and get stuck there. And that's us giving meaning to that thought. So like all of a sudden, you you know, you, you, you start thinking about that presentation and you start getting nervous and scared and anxious and all the feelings that come with those thoughts come up and it's just stuck there. But then, you know, thoughts do come and go and no matter how many times we have them or how often we have them, they always go again. So eventually that stick gets loose from the rock, flows away. And, you know, we're thinking about something else. It it may come back again. It may get stuck again, but just seeing and, and noticing that that's really what thoughts do. They sometimes just stick by themselves, but they, sometimes it's, it's us giving them more meaning. You know, we, we're almost holding them onto the rock, even when they're ready to go, because we're just so used to those thoughts and, and we think they are us. You know, it's it's actually really key when you start to see that thoughts are just thoughts. They're not us. They sound like us. They seem like us. They try to tell us what to do, like like they have some authority over us, but they're nothing. They're actually just energy that's that's flowing, just sticks flowing by. They have no real power. The real us and this is the key to all this. The real us is what's underneath our thoughts. So if if you could like suck all your thoughts out of your head, you'd you'd have peace. There'd be because it's the thoughts creating all that anxiety. If those thoughts weren't there, there'd be no anxiety. The the body would calm down. All the chemicals would flow through the body that maybe were there from the thoughts. And underneath, which is our default state, is peace. Just the peaceful, you know, flowing river. And we all know that feeling. We've all been there when you, you know, and that's usually when we're doing something we love. And that's why we seek out our addictions. You know, when you might have some alcohol and you, you feel that peace, but you know, there's bad side effects. The thing is what I saw for myself is that's that happiness inside of us. That's, that's, just there anyway. And regardless of what's going on around me now, I know that that peace is in me and that nothing outside of me, no amount of money, no amount of, of whatever is gonna, is, can, is actually the thing giving me that peace. It's there with me, even in the worst of times. That is what's freeing. Yeah, and it's that silencing, isn't it? It's the silencing of the thoughts or the mastering of the thoughts, essentially. The actual key would be actually to silencing or controlling the thoughts and getting beneath. Well, yeah, yes and no, though, because it's not about controlling them. We, we can't control our thoughts. They're going to come and they're going to go, and we have no say in it. And you can 
you know, temporarily kind of control and say, oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't know about you, but I've had no success in trying to control my thoughts or trying to even quiet them. To a certain extent, I've quieted my mind by observing my thoughts because I I didn't even know how much I was thinking. Um, Most people go around life and don't know they have a head full of thoughts. So observing my thoughts during the course of my day became really important because I, I was like, holy cow, I've got five million layers of thoughts going on, thoughts about the thoughts about the thoughts. And somehow observing them, I liken it to like cockroaches. You shine a light on them and they scatter and, and your thoughts do that too. They, they're not used to being noticed and observed. And so that alone did quiet my mind somewhat but thoughts still always will will come and and bad thoughts will come and good thoughts will come and it's not about conquering it it's just when you see how the world really works the opposite of how we think it does that that the way we feel is coming from inside of us not from stuff happening to us automatically you start to feel better it's it's this like weird awesome magical thing that happens so it's more, it's an awareness, essentially. I think awareness is the fir- at least for the first step, step of it. Like if you're going to, there's no steps, but that to me was the thing that just helped uh, the awareness. And then after a while, you don't have to even keep observing your thoughts because you, your mind is just so much quieter because the thoughts have realized that they can't stand up to the light of day. <laughs> You've got the light shining on them. And, and there was a couple of things because you talked about you as a little girl and I thought about that, and you talked about the default state, which was always there. You know, I've talked to a few authors, and Pam Grout, for example, recently about this, that we're born into this world as children with that default state. And it's our paradigm that we're born into, which can come from our parents, the thoughts we observe and bring into our world from news, all this kind of information sources actually feed what we essentially become. And then we lose the default state. I felt, I really felt this, that that little girl you were that was scared never really leaves a lot of people. It's like the stuck thought, like you talked about. And we identify, yeah. and once we identify with that, like you said, say, I had to speak up in, in public, in school, a public sp- talk, and I have the, the thought stick is stuck in a rock there. Then I actually, if I identify with that and make that me, then it's always going to be an issue for me. But if I just kind of go, you know what, that was once off, but I'll get over it. And then I have a gross mindset. It totally changes the game. Yeah. Just one thing there that you never actually lose that default state. It just gets covered up. It gets covered up because we're so used to that feeling of not peace that some people, we don't even recognize that that peace is underneath. But if you really think about it, if you paid attention, you'd realize, oh, there was times during the day, you know, even the most depressed or anxious person, they, they're going to tell you, I'm always depressed. I'm always anxious 24 seven. But if you get them to um, look at it a little bit and think about it, you know, you tell them a joke or whatever. And you're like, were you just anxious there or were you depressed? there? Oh, no, I wasn't. You know, there's there's lots of times it's just that we don't pay as much attention to that we were all we we feel those bad feelings so much more and we forget all the times when we're actually feeling fine because it is our default state nice that's that's a really good point and then you know the the other thing i thought we was firstly identifying that as as a child so parents who are listening to the show can identify that in their children and and then come up with solutions about how to unlock that or make sure the stick doesn't get stuck in a rock yeah i mean really if 
parents could teach their children that other people and things that happen to what they think is happening to them is not what's where their feelings are coming from. Like that would be the key. I wish my kids were little when I learned this, my kids are already grown. Um, but like, cause we're, we're, it's the opposite of what we think we're brought up in this world where we think other people and situations are causing us anxiety and anger and all this stuff. So we become victims and, and this is where, you know, the title of the book victim of thought, but we're only a victim of our thoughts. We're not ever a victim of somebody else. Nobody can ever make us feel anxious. No situation can make us feel anxious. It comes only from us. And when you see that insightfully, it's it's a game changer. So if you could, kids know this intuitively. If you you can, if you if you can, every time they say, "Oh, Johnny, you know, made me feel bad," and you say, "Well, you know, Johnny really can't. It's coming from you." If they get catch it young, they they get it right away. It's it's. Most adults I tell that to, they're like, no, it's my husband. You know, it's, <laughs> Left the it's, toilet it's seat. definitely <laughs> my husband causing it. And I still, you know, to me, it looks like my husband or my mother or, you know, whoever is doing it a lot of times too. But I, because I know it can't be them, I can kind of, when I'm, when I'm out of the, my madness or whatever it might be. And I, I look at it clearly, I could say, oh yeah, it was coming from me, not not them yeah well i i have a lovely one for you because we talked before we came on air about about this you write and if it can reach one person it feels so good to you well I, i'll tell you a little story because before we came on air because it's nine thirty here in dublin ireland and i just before we came on online i i told my kids a bedtime story to put them asleep and i told them about this i told them about you know t- thinking and that they actually control their own thoughts i told them a little story i made up a story about it he took them in then when they f- had fallen asleep and i looked over and my older boy josh who's eight had this massive smile on his face as he was asleep that came from your book mm. so isn't that <laughs> nice to hear because that that is uh, That's awesome. that was just before we came on air so but i'd love to move on because this went way beyond you get in control of your mind. It also got control of your body. You transformed yourself, and and hence your hence your website as well, which we'll we'll talk about in a few minutes. What did you do with Jill? Um, because people kind of met you and whoa, what did you do with Jill? And it led to so much transformation in your life. It'd be great to share that part of the story, Jill. Well, actually, that the, the my transformation came first. My physical um, transformation. It's what got me curious. I just had set out to lose weight. I was doing my SEO business, making tons of money and and not knowing I was anxious and not knowing I was addicted. And I just set out to lose weight after thinking about it for many years. Um, and, and, you know, so I just did that in the, in like six months, lost the weight I wanted to lose. But in doing that is where that's where I saw how my identity had changed so much just it just did because I suddenly liked exercising and liked eating healthy and vegetables whereas before that I I used to you know joke about it I'm allergic to exercise and vegetables I'd say and um it got me curious as to you know how can I my identity change so much like I, I was completely the opposite which is you know where the title what did you do with Jill came in because that's what my family and and friends would would say like and I joke and say yeah I got a dick um abducted by Martians or or something um but, but that's what got me curious because we think our identity is is solid 
um, and, and immovable. It's just who we are. I, I don't like vegetables and that's that, you know, that's me, that's Jill, take it or leave it. And when I saw that identity is not fixed at all, it's not solid. It's ever moving, including things like having anxiety. We all say, I'm an anxious person. I'm a shy person. I'm a this or that. And it's not true. We've made it all up. It's just, it's just stories we've been telling ourselves since we were little, usually. And we believe it. Knowing all that stuff is, is, has all led to other transformations with like alcohol just, just falling away. I still, I still drink. I still have a glass of wine almost every night, but I have no desire to um, feel that buzzed feeling I used to crave or want because that made me feel better. Now that my mind is just much more clear and ha- I have more clarity that that feeling of getting buzzed it feels yucky to me like I, I don't like it if I start to feel it I push the drinks away if you asked me five years ago even you know would I give up drinking I'd be like are you kidding me <laughs> no way and I, I wouldn't have classified myself as an alcoholic but I was probably on the road to it yeah you firstly you dealt with your body and then you got curious about the mind and it'd be great to share a little bit about the three principles because you talk about the three principles that you came across and some of the mentors I suppose that helped you on your own journey yeah and well I came across a paradigm you could call it or an understanding they call it the three principles I don't particularly like that name and I don't really use it because the three principles are mind consciousness and thought but that's not really what has helped me or what I've seen. For me, it was understanding that thoughts create feelings, which we've talked about, and that we all live in our own separate realities. And so, you know, we think everything that we think, that all the thoughts that are going on in our head is right and is truth and is the way the world works. We don't realize like everybody has their own magical mix of, of stuff that they think, and it's almost always never the same as ours. So you can kind of see it in in something like, you know, your flavor of ice cream. You know, I like chocolate ice cream, let's say. And I can't really imagine like when someone says they like cherry ice cream or something, it just doesn't compute to me. It feels so real, like the only best ice cream could be chocolate ice cream. Yeah. But when you take that to another level with everything that goes on in our heads, politics and opinions and you know, just the way we think the world works, if we're that whole, we hold on so tightly to, you know, our ice cream flavor, (laughs) you know, when you take it for a bigger level of of everything else that goes on in the world, you can see that's what causes all the the fighting in the world and all the wars and, and everything, because that's why relationships are so practically impossible, because you take two people with completely separate realities, and they think, you know, they just don't understand each other. And and that's been just, you know, such a helpful thing for me to see. And, and that's what I learned from, you know, what's called the three principles. That's a big component of it. I'm so glad you said that because this this is the thing that really attracted me to, to the book and to getting in touch with you because the thought stick getting stuck in a rock is what happens in business all the time. And this is where I drew analogy to innovation because innovation suffers this problem all the time where businesses identify with the way things are done people who are in the business identify with the way things are done and it's exactly that thought stick getting stuck in a rock except it's happening across the business and they struggle so much to shift the paradigm to actually get to a new business 
so much so that it has to be done elsewhere and then maybe they'll acquire that new business but then that new business will suffer the ultimate fate again because they're not actually changing the paradigm they're not actually getting the thought stick unstuck again and i love what you said about the ice cream there because they're stuck on chocolate ice cream and they can't see any <laughs> other flavor and they're kind of going right. but you're going to go there is so many flavors there's some flavors we can't even taste properly yet out there that need to be discovered and and i just think that's such a great analogy yeah and the people you know people in businesses like a, a whole department or a whole company or whatever it's made up of individuals all with their own thoughts you know all with their own realities thinking that theirs is right and and you know that's what's causing problems in businesses very most of the time because people aren't able to hear each other because they think it's just chocolate ice cream you know and they and and they they don't they're not open to hearing other people's suggestions because it doesn't make sense to them so if they could see that their reality is just one way of thinking of things and 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 look at and and get curious about someone else's reality and be like oh wow i you know i never would have thought of it that way then you know people can work together so much so much easier and and more innovations can get done absolutely and you know i highly recommend people check out your blog and your on your website what did you do with jill.com i'm sure that was a great seo one as well for you but uh <laughs> it'd be great if you'd share some of the solutions jill it's seeing it's it's getting this at a at a deeper level getting insights into the fact that nobody's out there causing you to feel any particular way so that way that takes blame off of other people um, right there you know if you think that your boss or your business partner or whatever is is making you anxious or making you mad or you know all the different feelings it, this this covers everything um, if you can start to see how thoughts are creating the way you feel then you're going to stop blaming everyone and then it's it's not that why me mentality like I said I had in you know seventh sixth or seventh grade whatever it was you have to take your own responsibility and this is not to put it on you so that now you can beat yourself up more because you know now realizing that you're the one doing it because it's it's innocent we don't we can't help what thoughts come into our heads and cause those feelings but not being able to blame other people is it's it's it sounds hard like because we want to blame other people but it's actually the most freeing thing because we we then are no longer a victim anymore like nobody can make me a victim no matter what they do to me i know where my feelings come from and even if they you know beat me and kill me um it's still not a victim the feelings i have are coming from me brilliant and, and you know that the, one of the first business books i learned i read was stephen covey and he talked about this he said he talked about you know if you're driving home one day and somebody cuts you off and then for the entire day you're telling people and working oh, somebody's driving cut me across then it's it follows you home all day meanwhile the other person is totally oblivious to you anyway but you're the one who mm -hmm. holding on to all the time and that story popped into my head again when i read the book and i went that's exactly what you're saying here is you know when you point the finger there's three pointing back at you that's the important ones to actually deal with that and once you do it's liberating yeah because let's face it stuff happens you know bad stuff happens good stuff happens and it's going to happen regardless the way the world works there's ups and there's downs and so we can have bad things happen and we can suffer 
or we can have bad things happen and we can, you know, just bad things happen. You know, when you see it that way, that it's the suffering part is what's optional. And that's the freedom in in, in seeing that we're not our thoughts and, and that the peace is always there underneath. And we can tune into that peace in the worst of circumstances, you know, if you look at like Viktor Frankl, you know, he was in the concentration camp and he managed to survive that because he was able to tune into his peace, his default setting, even under those extreme circumstances. So if somebody like that can do it under those circumstances, certainly a mean boss or, or whatever else, you know, we should be able to not let them bring us down because nobody can, nobody can bring us down. Yeah. And it's it's such a great way to, to actually finish up and also for people to take into work either in innovation roles or startups or entrepreneurs in any way. And I highly recommend the book, Victim of Thoughts, Seeing Through the Illusion of Anxiety. But also, Jill, you, you have a six-week uh, online program coming up soon as well. It'd be great to share where people can reach you. Yeah. What did you do with Jill.com is, is the blog and it's basically where everything is. Um, yeah, that program starting this week, there's still time to get in. And that's really kind of just a fun exploration I'm doing. It's only $79 for six weeks. And it's just me exploring for myself the illusion of me. You know, this gets even deeper than what we were talking about, where I'm trying to see if I could completely somehow have myself, my sense of self dissolve. There are people who've had this and you still function perfectly well. I've got a small group that have signed up. So if anyone else wants to, you know, I'm happy to speak with anybody who's got anxiety or who resonates with this and wants to transform their life in some way. I'd be happy to speak with them. Brilliant. And I'll share the links uh, to the website and the book and indeed your online course. Jill Whalen, author of Victim of Thought. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. 